Welcome to Audible Interlude, a G.I. Joe podcast. I'm your host, Dave West, codename Phantom Troublemaker. And I am your co-host, Noel Wood, codename Crapshoot. And I'm your Cobra intern that has some serious PSTD from the sound of a chainsaw, codename <laughs> Legion Cub. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, if you're watching us, if you're watching this video here on audiblearmy.com, then you'll be able to see a couple of special treats here. So check out audiblearmy.com where you can get, I don't know why I'm putting the slide up for the people who are already members, but here it is. So you can <laughs> see it uh, for $1 and 99 cents a month on Patreon. You will get my show notes before each episode is released early and ad free access to all audio episodes, exclusive video access to recordings of audio episodes, which is what we're doing right now. Early access to all G.I. Joe reviews on the Needless Things YouTube channel and G.I. Joe adjacent reviews. Uh, in the coming week, I will be reviewing the Mezco 112 Collective Snake Eyes and the Action Force Pandora reissue uh, and the accessory kit. And those will both be posted early at audiblearmy.com. You have the opportunity to vote on content for the show, early access to Audible Interlude merch such as the new Audible Interlude Itty Bitty Ditty Bag, uh, and exclusive reviews, unboxings, and more. I just put up my unboxing of a almost mint-on-card rapid fire, complete with cassette. Uh, check that out. I hate glitter. I hate glitter! Uh, so audiblearmy.com to hear all about that. Whew, what a week. We are recording late. Normally, audiblearmy.com will get all of the bonus content from our audio episodes Monday evening. Uh, it is, we are recording Thursday night, and the G.I. Joe live stream has actually already happened. Uh, have you guys had the opportunity to check that out yet? Mm-hmm. For once. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> right. I got to see it when it happened. So, yeah, yeah, I, I didn't watched watch it. it live, but I watched it a little bit later. Yeah, I watched it. Speed. I watched it when I got home. Uh We'll be talking about that on our next live stream on March the 4th, uh, going into detail about that live stream. We're not doing that tonight because we have so much other stuff that should have been talked about this past Monday, but there was an unavoidable scheduling issue that uh, prevented us from recording. Uh, follow Sorry. us. Yeah, well, you know. Uh, follow us wherever you listen to your podcast. Click that follow button. Give us a review while you're there. Reviews are hugely important. Uh, and on Instagram at Audible Interlude Podcast, where you can participate uh, with the show and give us ideas about what to talk about in our sound off posts. Uh, Needless Things YouTube channel is where you can catch our live streams every other Monday ish they're usually on mondays but sometimes we'll have to uh, again scheduling issues we'll do them for one reason or another on a different night shirts are available on tpublic.com uh, if you're listening on friday you just missed the leap year sale but four years from now they'll do it again and you can get 29 percent off but between now and then, TeePublic has sales all the time. I highly recommend you check out Audible Interlude Podcast on Instagram. Look at those pinned stories. And when TeePublic has a, uh, has a sale, that's when you strike. 
and get that Audible Interlude merchandise. Uh, we also have Audible Interlude hats available. Hit us up. Uh, just shoot us a message on Audible Interlude podcast on Instagram if you want a hat. Um, there is no good way to sell already made merchandise. T Public is easy because they print on demand. It's not a big deal. But when you've got merchandise that you have had made, like our hats or our itty bitty ditty bags or the forthcoming uh, tactical shovels that I need to talk to Christian's guy about, and I keep forgetting to do because things happen. Uh, it's it's hard to find a, a good marketplace to sell that kind of stuff that doesn't rip off either us or our customer. Mm. Uh, all right, so I said next live stream is on March the 4th. With all of that out of the way, uh, we do have just just a little bit, just a dab, just a dollop of news. Uh, yes, that kind of dab. Exactly. That's going to be our new news logo. <laughs> <laughs> Only for people in the Audible Army. Before we get to the news, Toylanta! Toylanta happens in Atlanta at the Peachtree Hilton, March 22nd through the 24th. An audible interlude will be hosting a live episode at Toylanta, March 23rd at 12.30 p.m. Put it on your calendar. Show up for Toylanta that Saturday. Come check out Audible Interlude. We will have hats. We will have itty-bitty ditty bags. Uh, we will have lots of fun and prizes, cool stuff. The, the itty-bitty ditty bags will be giveaways for our live panel. Um, so come check it out. We do a lot of audience participation. We need you there to help out with the fun. So Toylanta, March 23rd, it is... I, I dare say the best toy show in the Southeast. Would you agree? It's a pretty darn good show. Yeah, it's. Oh, now I'm even more excited. Yeah, it's a it's a Joe big Fest show. Blew my mind. So, with based off of what you guys said, and so now with this, hmm, I would say Toylanta is a much bigger toy show than Joe Fest. Would you agree? Oh, with that, sure, Noel? sure, sure, sure. Yes, yes. Um. And it is because it does kind of stem out of the original Joe Lanta. Um, it's still a very G.I. Joe heavy uh, show. Which, by the way, Joe Lanta is October, I think it's 25th through 27th this oh, year. Oh, it's in October this year. So yes. Much better think... than being a week away yes. from Dragon's Dawn. Very smart. Um, and maybe they'll get a little more costuming out of it. Uh with it being so close to Halloween, but we're, we're going to be talking to the Joe Lanta folks. Hopefully we'll be able to do a live panel there as well. Uh, so yeah, lots of cool stuff happening in Atlanta. Thanks to the, the toy Lanta people. Uh, all right. Now we can move on to some news. I got to move through my slides. I did this like it was a live stream because I'm very confused about it being Thursday. Uh, did you guys see, the three zero commando snake eyes. It did. Yep. So I'm not necessarily. It's not that I don't like this version of snake eyes. It's just that I've told you guys the story before about how way back in the late nineties, when I very first got on eBay, some of the first purchase, well, the very first purchase I made was the 12 inch hall of fame, uh, Cobra Commander. 
that was the first thing I ever bought on eBay. And it was through our pal Schweck's eBay account. Uh, I didn't even have my own account at that point. And I got that one and I got addicted to those 12 inch Joe's. And I guess what does it, do we have any idea? When did eBay start? When did eBay become a thing? Like 97. That see, that's what I'm thinking, but I feel like this was before. I mean, it can't be before. No, 95. 95. Okay. So wow. I, I feel <clears throat> like this was before the stars and stripes set, but no, that can't be right because I didn't even know Pete and Schweck before. Well, no, it could have been 96. So this might have been 96 because I do think the stars and stripes set and the Toys R Us stuff that we've talked about hadn't come out yet. So anyway, I'm buying the hall of fame. I bought the Cobra commander. I bought the, uh, Destro, I bought the Major Blood, and those are all relatively similar to the figures that I grew up with. But then when you get into, like, Duke, who's in his desert camo, and Stalker, who's in his, like, version 3, I think it is, with the black and white camo pants and the black shirt, uh, you get into some of the other figures that at the time I didn't know were based on those nineties designs. I just thought, well, they did different things with these because they're 12 inch dolls. I had no idea what these designs were based on. So when I got the 12 inch snake eyes, I had no idea what that was. I just, because they, I was paying like 10, 15 bucks for these. Like they, they cost nothing. Mm-hmm. And I've still got them. I just need to put the clothes back on them because unfortunately as a former smoker, uh, they all got, they all got the stank. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the first year my son and I went to Joe fest, uh, uh, Mrs. Troublemaker was at home with nothing to do. So she volunteered to wash all of those 12 inch Joe's. She washed all of the outfits and the bodies and everything. And they're all like, relatively smoke-free like they have you know how once the smoke smell is gone but you know they were still in a smoker's house but it's not overwhelming like it has that smell it's got that cool relaxing after smell but what i have is a box of naked bodies and a box of clothes and i need to put them (laughs) back together why do I feel like there's a secret tumbler that existed in the early 2000s? Of... That's that's as Buffalo Bill as I've ever sounded in my life. <laughs> uh, but anyway, the point of all that is here is this one sixth scale, 12 inch commando snake eyes that I cannot stop looking at. I think it looks awesome. What do you guys think of this thing? I was so surprised that that they went with this right version, but I agree they they found a way to make that version look less like a hockey goalie and <laughs> more like someone that's going to kick your butt. I yeah, mean, the way that I, they I subdued have... that blue and everything mm-hmm. to make it, you know, like it really is a striking figure. Yeah, yeah. It's really I nice. appreciate and... not going with the stereotypical ninja snake eyes look. I mean, he still comes with his swords, like he's still. And I think he has to. 
Right. Yeah. He's you know, still ninja for the people that want him to be, but this will break if this is on your shelf, it's gonna break up the look of every other copycat sneak eyes. And Rob Liefeld would be so envious of all those pouches. All those pouches, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and and see, I've been able to resist all, because all of these three zero figures have looked fantastic. Um, and for a one twelfth scale figure with this level of detail and accessories, 160 bucks is a bargain in this day and age. Mm -hmm. And I've been able to resist all of these so far, but for some reason, this one's driving me nuts, man. <laughs> I really want to order it and I can't. And I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you. I have not yet reviewed. I finally got, Oh, let's look at it. Let's look at it. Mezco snake eyes. We're not, we're not going to do an unboxing here, but I will open it up real quick. Just since we're all sitting here, it's just us pals. Uh, I'll be honest. I kind of wish Mezco had done that one because that would have been more interesting, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of why the 301 is so appealing <clears throat> is uh, that it is something different, is that we have seen... Uh, Oh, now this is, this is something, because I haven't really looked at this since I ordered it, because I, I just, I think Mezco's 112 figures are the best action figures ever made. So I just kind of ordered this knowing that I was going to have it, but it, this is Ninja Snake Eyes. So at least it is something different, because Classified has not really done a proper Ninja Snake Eyes yet. I forgot that he comes with a tim articulated timber as well. well. Well, here's the thing, though, is the first images of this, it was not an articulated timber. It was a slug. And okay, I wonder that... if Hasbro's timber motivated Mezco to do something different. Yeah. Uh, because the, I've got the John Wick figure and the dog that came with that one is just a slug. Mm, uh, no, it's a dog. So I'm, I, I will be reviewing this this weekend. The review will go live, uh, next week on the needless things, YouTube channel. And uh, again, audiblearmy.com will get first crack at that review. Uh, but I'm, I'm excited, but like I said, I kind of wish Mezco had done this one just because it would be something different in that one twelfth scale. And I wouldn't have to be so compelled to buy this one <laughs> because it just looks, whoops. Okay. <laughs> we'll move. We'll move right along. I want to, I want to throw you there was a secret. <laughs> yes. Yeah, speaking, speaking of naked bodies, um, I want to throw a shout out to whoever it is that's posting thirst trap gi joe listings <laughs> on mercari there are a few of these on there and it is hilarious uh and if if you're listening it's it's a, a clothe an unclothed joe on a bench in a come hither pose and if you're just listening this is this is right here this is worth your 199 yeah spend your dollar 99 just to see this image with a big naked joe that says 12 dollars underneath it 
if that's not an ad, I don't know what is. Okay, so anyway. One, one, one dollar per inch. Yeah, the, oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> I did notice. We'll say one one thing. One thing about the live stream that we will say tonight before we go live uh, with our recap of it on Monday. I will say this. I appreciated the fact that Lenny pronounced it macaque. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, this this snake eyes just looks absolutely killer. Um, I'm. It's it's tempting. I'm not gonna get it. But it is tempting. Well, you know, I mean, looking at it, you could easily, since we're getting retro beachhead, you could easily take that first release beachhead out of classifieds and paint that purple and then, uh, not purple, sorry, that dark blue. And uh, yeah, 3D printer people get or resin printing people get on this well that and uh, look customized head because um this uh, honestly this makes me excited to get that version in class and you know they're gonna do it and i i'll be honest i wouldn't be surprised if this was the next snake eyes they they hit with classified because i think the version three is the one with the crossed knives mm -hmm. on the chest right yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that one's too similar to what we've already gotten. I think I think they... this is a more iconic look for Snake Eyes too. I think there's a there's a set a set of the fandom that like this is their mm -hmm. Snake Eyes. Yes, yes, and that's the thing is the folks that are like five to seven to ten years younger than us. This is their Snake Eyes. Mm -hmm. I bet mm -hmm. this is Lenny's Snake Eyes. <laughs> um. All right, moving along. Well, there's that guy again. Uh, update from RoboSkull or from Skeletron, I guess. Uh, our Mark II pilots, Blood Wolf and Red Weasel, are complete and began in production prior to the Lunar New Year shutdown. We received final production samples, and they are very, very cool. So that is a great sign. Uh, that means they're pretty much ready to go. And I think Lunar New Year is done, and things are ramping back up. So... A lot of these products that were on hold for the past month are going to be on their way to America pretty, pretty soon. Um, updated RoboSkull Mark II test shots were received in the U.S. in absolutely gorgeous translucent black and red molded colors. And we talked before about, I don't think any of us realized that all of the black was going to be translucent. And it looks mm -hmm. fantastic. I thought it was just going to be black. Yeah. So this is, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for my, my, my two toy <clears throat> fetishes are glow in the dark and translucent. Uh, and so here we go. Translucent black uh, test shots are looking and working great. Important fit and function details have been improved through multiple tooling revisions. Some aspects of the Mark II still require further revision, which will prevent us from beginning full swing production of the Mark II as our factory begins to reopen. And again, I, you know, we've said it time and time again. I'm fine with that. Look, we we've talked to these folks. We know they know what they're doing. We know they've got a passion for this project, and we want the Robo Skull to be the very best that it can be. And now that we've gotten some of the figures in hand, 
We know what kind of quality we're dealing with. So it kind of makes it even more okay that they're taking their time and making sure everything is going to be as high a quality as that Wolf Trooper Skeletron uh, grindstone figure. We've got a first shot detail of one of the six inch figures. This is from the six inch trooper. And you can see, look at this sculpted detail on this thing. I mean, uh, it's, it's gorgeous. This is easily on par with classified, if not better, which I mean, that's what I want classified, if not better, you know? Uh, And then finally, they received four in, uh, final production samples of the four-inch Jungle Wolf Trooper. Obviously, he looks amazing. Production of this figure began prior to the Lunar New Year shutdown. Uh, and, I mean, there it is. So, to recap, what does this mean for the RoboSkull schedule? Uh, phase A is complete. That was the Skeledrone 3-pack, which, if you don't have it, I believe they're still available on the website. Phase B is complete. That is the... Uh, Robo Skull Vinyl Record, the O-Ring Skeletron Wolf Trooper, the 4-Inch Wolf Trooper, and the 4-Inch Gyre Wolf. Phase C, they are currently expecting for the summer, and that is the actual vehicle with the 4-Inch Marauder Blood Wolf Pilot, the Special Edition vehicle with the Red Weasel Pilot, the flight stand, the heavy metal armor, and the four-inch jungle wolf trooper figure that you're looking at right now if you're watching us on audiblearmy.com. Uh, and then late summer, they are expecting the rest of the figures, which is the four-inch uh, Skeletron, the six-inch Skeletron, uh, and then the six-inch wolf trooper, gyre wolf, jungle wolf trooper, and pilot character kick uh, kit. And then finally, the total Robo Skull deluxe hardcover book. So that's an update. It is a very transparent update. It's very clear. Uh, I appreciate how much information they're giving us rather than the radio silence that sometimes you hear from these kind of campaigns. Every mm-hmm. step of the way, the Skeletron team, uh, and look, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I don't have a little bit of a bias. Having talked to these guys at a couple of Joe Fests, uh, knowing how passionate they are about what they're doing. No, and and knowing, to be honest, how professional they are. I have no problem sort of uh, lining up with them and and saying, yes, I trust these guys. And yes, we should be excited about their product. And with that, uh, that's the little bit of news that we had for this episode. So we have two reviews this episode. Uh, Originally, our plan was different. I'll just say that. Uh, But the the way the timing has worked out, we're going to review A Real American Hero number 304 and Cobra Commander number two on this audio episode, which is video if you're watching us on audiblearmy.com. So right now, we're going to dive into our review of G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero number 304. Our writer, of course, is Larry Hama. Artist Chris Mooneyham, colorist Francesco Segala, flatter 
Sabrina Del Grosso. Does anybody know what a flatter is? I, I mean, uh, does, does Sabrina just tell everybody they're doing a great job the whole time? <laughs> you guys are wonderful. <laughs> Keep up the good work. I don't know. I have no idea what a comic book flatter is, but it's, it's there in the credits. I'm going to look uh, at Letterer Pat Brousseau. Uh, and then we get right into it. Our cover is very exciting. And I, look, when I first saw this cover, and tell me if you guys had the same thought about it. When I first saw this cover, I thought, oh, well, this is, even though there aren't necessarily toys to sell of all of these right now, this is the classic toy sales cover that doesn't represent what's in the book. They just wanted to put some like characters that are currently on the market on the cover. But then we get into the book and we actually have a squad that's a night viper, a night creeper, and an alley viper. This was very like so when in the deep cartoons, but especially in Operation Dragonfire, there's just like random solo troopers that just kind of hang out together. And I kind of got that feeling too with this one where you don't just have a squad of guys that look all alike. Well, and see, I like that because that's how I played when I was a kid because I didn't have like four Crimson Guards or four, four Cobra Troopers. I don't think I had multiples of anything when I was a kid. So it was like, it would be Major Blood with Scrap Iron, a Cobra Trooper, a Crimson Guard, and a Televiper. Like, I didn't have three Televipers or, or to fill out my Terrordrome or whatever. So like there's there's only one part in the issue and and we'll get to it because it is kind of near the end that I had my WTF moment okay. with their choices of those three singles. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh but I like this kind of delighted me because like I said, this is how I played and when the comics reflect your play patterns it's just fun. It just makes it more fun. It makes it feel less like you need to buy 10 Cobra bats. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, all right. So moving on to page one, uh, I would like to point out, well, okay. We, I've, my first note is actually a few pages in. So page one, we get this weird triumvirate. That's apparently now a source of power in the real American hero comics of Serpentor Khan. And I am making a point of saying Serpentor Khan, because I love the fact that that is his name. Yes. They mm -hmm. only, they only refer to him by his full name. Right. It's so great. Mindbender. And Who uh, looks like he's deteriorating or mutating even more <laughs> from the previous issues. He does seem a little bubblier doesn't I, he? I i liked it if it, it if it's on purpose um it i yeah to me it's showing like a little bit of a passage of time and and maybe we're not done mutating yeah i'm i'm curious to see because i well we all know how larry hummer writes he writes the issue and when he's finished with it he goes okay Time to write the next issue. There is no grand scheme, which leads to some really interesting stuff that is, it has its ups and downs, but I kind of like the natural peaks and valleys of that writing style. Yeah. Uh, it, it just makes things even, even when it's not at its best to me, it makes it more fun to follow. 
than when somebody has a plan that they absolutely have to. It's like a wrestling match. When somebody has a match that they've planned every single move from start to finish with no regard for the crowd whatsoever, then it can be a great match, but there's there's nothing organic about it. But when you have a wrestling match that you're calling in the ring, that you have a few spots planned out, but overall you're kind of paying attention to the crowd and seeing how things go, especially for long-term storytelling like this, I think that's just a more interesting way to do it. And And yes, the results are more mixed, but if you're if you're along for the ride, I think overall it's more fun. And there's no way to tell where it's going. Exactly. <laughs> As you know, we're we're three old dudes who have been following sequential storytelling our entire lives. And we're at a point where I think a lot of times we can kind of see where things are going. Like even with movies that I love. A lot of times, halfway through the movie, I know exactly where it's going. And I may love it, but it doesn't surprise me. Larry Helma's storytelling style, you may not love it, but it's going to surprise you. And I think there's something to be said for that dynamic storytelling that he does. Uh, so anyway, we've got uh, Serpentor Khan, Mindbender, and Revanche. Is that what is this, this is? Uh Yeah. Giant, that's how I pronounced it. Giant robot snake with a face. So in um, this and this creature looks like an amalgamation of like all these different sci-fi and horror things kind of rolled together. It's, it's like it could come out of Dune and Hellraiser and <laughs> Star Trek, <laughs> like all at the same time. Well, see, that's okay. You said Star Trek. I think it looks like one of the earworms from Star Trek with a Quintesson's face. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's got some Quintesson in there, too. So, like, yeah, it's I mean, a it's... number of horror tropes rolled into one. <laughs> well, I mean, remember last issue, he's the one that made the machine that made the creepy, yeah, messed right. up right, right. vipers and all that. So he better be scary. Uh, and And I would say I would like a figure. Well, I want all three of these in figure form because we don't we don't have a Serpentor Khan. We certainly don't have a mutant cannibal mindbender. And we, <laughs> we don't have I I would buy all three of these. Uh okay, so moving along, they are observing the carnage that occurred in Snake Eyes and Scarlet's cabin with uh baby Timber Jr. or whoever this younger wolf uh person is. And as we suspected at the end of the last issue, uh, 303, there was a bit of a setup involved here, of course, uh, to make it look like Snake Eyes and Scarlet met their doom at the hand of the Blue Ninjas. But of course, they prevailed, uh, and now we're standing around uh, in, in scanty clothing. And I did notice that Scarlet has some terrible grammar. Yeah, I, I, all that sugar in meatball, the tomato sauce, MRE. I, <laughs> what is that? I made a note of that. I had to read it like 10 times. <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. She just had her head smashed through how many walls before they over give her concussions affect you? Well, maybe it's because she... Snake Eyes is just doing all this chatting now. She's just mm. you know, forgotten her how to talk, you know, well, in, gen in general. And she is from Georgia. <laughs> as Noel and I both are as well, I will say, so we, I can make that joke. 
Uh, okay, so moving along, we get the tomahawk, uh, kind of a souped-up tomahawk that I dig. I mean, it's the, it's clearly the tomahawk, but there's some artistic license has been taken to make it look a little, you know, cooler. Uh, a little, little more Haslabby. Come on. Oh my gosh! Right. <laughs> The people that want a Haslab tomahawk are out of their minds. Uh, but what's interesting here is, and, and again, I will I will reiterate that I have not prior to the Skybound relaunch, I was not reading Real American Hero because I wasn't reading any comics. I completely stopped buying comics a few years ago. So is black? Do you guys know is Black Hat? a new character here or has been introduced before oh yeah. i i did, forgot to look that up yeah i'm not aware um i would think that they would have introduced that character before that's what i'm thinking is probably probably from the prior run yeah well i guess you know what let's hop on the the googler right now and see, oh, I, I googled GI Joe black hat, and it brings up literally some black baseball caps. That's not helpful. Um, oh wow, this is interesting. So I can't see anything for GI Joe. Oh wait a minute, huh? Okay, so if you know the name Diana Davis, Diana Davis is a huge re- resource mm-hmm. um, for GI Joe, and on x formerly twitter oh i can't click on it either uh pretty excited about the two new geo two new joes joining the team in gi joe 283 say hey to black hat computer hacking specialist so uh it appears that black hat was introduced in 283 which of course was part of the idw run uh, we'll we'll have to dig a little deeper on that. Interesting that there's nothing on Jopedia. Um, Regina S. Oh wow, League of Comic Geeks. Here we go, Regina S. Bypage is a member of GI Joe and a computer hacking specialist. That's it. That's all the information we have. Introduced in June of 2021. In GI Joe 283. All right. So there you go. Existing character uh refreshed here for Skybound. Um so the the Joe landing party shows up at the cabin and are happy to see that Snake Eyes and Scarlet have survived. Airtight and mainframe hanging out, which doesn't necessarily make sense, but as a pairing, I really like for some reason. <laughs> I was impressed that they included airtight because to me, that makes so much sense. If, if you don't know what you're going into. Well, right. Mm-hmm. All they know. Well, that off, like, well, there's no computer problem that we're aware of. <laughs> unless well, you're afraid of like nanotechnology. But think about it, there is, because the Joes are aware that this revanche is a problem. They're mm. aware that Cobra set off this mutant virus bomb, so airtight and mainframe actually totally makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but like that. 
They're they're not really doing anything like that. They're just hauling a crate full of ninja gear. <laughs> uh well, mainframe. I take that back. Mainframe is investigating these blue ninjas. Uh, yeah, he's gonna have to reverse engineer them to try to figure out what makes them tick. Which we yes, which later. is great. Like that's mm-hmm. good character usage. Uh, and then we get Snake Eyes opening up the crate of ninja gear, and it's interesting because in the letters column, the editor mentions that there's a hint as to Snake Eyes' new look to differentiate Snake Eyes. Uh, from Sean Collins or uh, Throwdown, Throwdown, yeah. But it looks like it's just Snake Eyes Ninja Gear, so I don't know. We'll we'll see how that pans out. Uh, then we move over to Springfield, where Don Moreno is visiting her parents, and I don't know this whole backstory, but to Larry Hama's credit, he's given me enough to follow along. Do you now? Do you got? Where are you guys with the whole Don Moreno thing? I'm I not... had forgotten about her. Like I, I remember <laughs> that there was a female Snake Eyes, but I had stopped reading the IDW stuff. I want to say right around that time, actually. Um, yeah, I wasn't so reading I... it, but I, but I was aware of her, and I, you know, some of the some of the story behind her, but like this they gave us some character insight on her. So if you're new to her, it's not, it doesn't hurt if you didn't read those earlier issues. I don't think. Yeah. I feel like Larry Helm is giving us enough here to follow along. Well, it hurts your heart when you are reading what the parents say. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a family in turmoil. Right. I mean, it is, it's, it's, and it's funny cause he does it in a page. Mm-hmm. If this is a Marvel comic, this would be the entire issue. Yeah. <laughs> so, I love Marvel comics. They're great. They're totally not the reason I stopped reading comics five years ago. <laughs> uh, all right. And then we get that Betty is the basically the G.I. Joe Siri. Okay. <laughs> so, no, I loved this for the dumbest reason. Listeners. My fellow podcasters, please tell me you all have watched Kung Pao Enter the Fist. Okay, yes. So when the the main villain, when he has uh, the part where he goes, oh, I've changed my name. Now you will call me Betty. So <laughs> Betty, the G.I. Joe AI voice, sound the whole rest of the issue oh my god i could only read it in that kung pao voice so, <laughs> oh my right gosh. more betty now i want some kung pao chicken <laughs> uh so we already talked about the teams of vipers uh with different specialties and we see dawn is going out into springfield kind of investigating around and she sees the night creeper the alley viper and the night viper uh wandering around and somehow she immediately knows they're enhanced mutants from cobra island that must be her ninja senses or or snake eyes downloaded memories which we're not going to get into that i have no opinion on it because i didn't read it the joe's at the base don't they comment uh, comment on it as well so i'm just assuming that betty sent some info out like off panel to bring everybody up to speed 
Well, this is prior to us meeting Betty. Or prior to my awareness of Betty. But Well, you know what? Okay, I take it back because the Night Viper says those Viper guards up there look mighty tasty and my stomach is growling. So Mm -hmm. clearly she takes, oh, they're cannibals. Okay. Which we're still kind of waiting to see the payoff for for (laughs) half of Cobra becoming cannibals. But, well, you know, it's fine. We'll get there. It's wacky stuff. What are you going to do? You've you've been writing 300 issues of GI Joe. You you got to go somewhere. Uh <laughs> So we get back to the pit. Uh they're communicating uh Lady J and Duke and Stalker and Spirit, which again like what a team of all-stars hanging out in the pit command center. I love mm-hmm. that crew. And they've I like the fact that everyone kind of looks a little bit more grizzled in this. Um, there's the shot of, of the three of them and Lady J uh, mm. on the next page. And they all just look like, you know, they've they've seen some some rough battles during their time. Yeah. But Lady J does need to get some sun. Because <laughs> yeah, compared to the others, pale. there's some. Yes. Um, she might want to see a doctor. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But that one shot uh, on page nine, which we are reading a review copy, so the pages may be a little off. Uh, but the shot on page nine of all four of them looking at the screen is is fantastic. Chris, this this is the kind of stuff Chris Mooneyham does spectacularly well, doing like this cool diorama shot of basically from the screen i guess mm-hmm. it just looks great and it looks natural too it does not look like okay i've got to show all four of these mm-hmm. characters in one panel it just looks like this is how they would look getting together on this intel just a just a fantastic shot i love it yeah, yeah. uh and then we see three more cobras moving in on the pit and it, they are apparently a toxo viper a regular viper and hang on i've got it written down here oh teams it's vipers with different specialties i think later on we get specificity on what they are uh, that Okay, so this is Stalker saying that's because they're the revanche-enhanced versions. That mix of specialties indicates a recon mission, but I'm worried about that Toxo Viper. Uh, let's see. But I love how Duke, because it took me, like when I first read it, I was like, Duke, what are you thinking? Because um, he tells Spirit to keep an eye on them, but don't sound any alarms. Like, don't react to the fact that they are here at all. Right. Just, we want to see what they're up to. Watch and see. And and that at first threw me off. And then as the issue goes on, I was like, oh, light bulb. Okay. Okay. It's a Viper, a Techno Viper, and a Toxo Viper. Yeah. All right. Um, so moving on, we see these three sort of infiltrating the above ground area. Uh, over where the pit is concealed and spirit is clearly enjoying the fact that they're just sitting back and watching these three uh 
basically be typical Cobra buffoons with no awareness of G.I. Joe's oversight. Uh, and then we get to Cobra Commander calling Mind, Dr. Mindbender a traitorous tooth yanker. I love that. <laughs> Which is so on, I mean, that's so in character for him from the yes. way that they portrayed him, especially in the later issues of the original American Hero run where he's he's always just coming up with these wacky names and using big words for no reason. Uh, so we Can have... We also comment on I really like this Baklava look for him. If we can't get hooded Cobra Commander, well, we'll I really like that. We'll get to that. So we have Serpentor Khan, Mindbender, and Alpha 001, which is what the Revanche primary organism or whatever it is is called. Uh and the they are watching the feed from a big rally that Cobra Commander is having in front of all of his cobra troops uh, i love that these they're in like what looks like a giant cobra casino this building well yes and they, this is Braca beach yeah this this is the former like gambling uh basically las vegas on the coast or i guess it's atlantic city really mm. is what it was modeled after um and they've talked about the uh, Mindbender even says we can rip out all the slot machines, blackjack tables, yeah. and roulette wheels and make room for the surgical bots. Uh, so yeah, Cobra Commander is addressing all of his factions of Cobra troops, and we get this look at Christian. Let's talk about this new look for Cobra Commander. Yeah, I it's like take, uh, Take a Destro uh, look from uh, Res Resolute, and then slap a baklava on top with the the Cobra symbol. Like I don't know. To me, it just it makes him look like this military mastermind. So there's this is... something about like I don't know. Like actually having the the head shape. Right, like you know, this is a person. This isn't just like a faceless entity. It's not this blobby, right? Uh, hood this, on... this really makes more sense than the hood, right? And that, yeah. as I was thinking when I saw this initially, I was like, okay, we're not getting a hooded Cobra Commander. We know that has pretty much been shot down forever by Hasbro. This right here is a perfectly fine substitute. This probably better. Um, it doesn't have the nostalgia, but I love this look. Well, think about if you're an actual for real human being looking to conceal your identity, are you going to put like a large napkin over your head or <laughs> are you just going to get a blue ski mask? Yes. Like, which one is more practical? Which one is less likely to just fall off of your freaking head? I mean, this, whether anybody wants to admit it or not, this makes more sense than the hood. And look, I'm not going to argue. The I do believe the hood is Cobra Commander's most iconic look. More so than the faceplate. More so, than, certainly more so than the battle armor. I do agree that, Co that the hood is Cobra Commander's most iconic look. Hmm. But 
this makes more sense. And just so you, okay, there's, uh, I heard a hmm. Is there some discussion to be had there? I just, I, I would not have considered that to be his most iconic look. I would think more of the really? standard silver faceplate. Yeah, because mm-hmm. that's what, you know, whenever I see, whenever uh, I'm at Dragon Con and there's a, there's a parade and there's people dressed like vipers, everybody points and goes, look, it's Cobra Commander. Because they all see silver faceplate. And that's thinking, what... thinking back to the comics and the cartoon. And what we saw the most, I put in this, look, this is going to vary person to person. I do think the hood is the most iconic look. Okay. Well, my only take on it is, and I think I had mentioned this on one of our earlier uh, episodes, that growing up, I always thought the silver plate was more terrifying than the hood. Oh, I agree um, with that. And and so that was always my preferred look. But I, t- I take this military look mm-hmm. over the hooded. I wish that the first classified commander had looked like this and had a helmet like the classified helmet that went over this mask. That would have been killer, and I don't think anybody would have complained about it. Well, and I'm thinking... Well, somebody would have, because somebody's always going to complain about anything. These comics are so made hand-in-hand with Hasbro's, you know, overseeing them and overlooking Mm -hmm. them. Uh, I I won't be surprised if this figure is on shelves in a year or so. I, I mean, I hope it is, because I think this design is great. Uh, okay, so moving along from our, our fashion talk, fashion talk <laughs> with Audible Interlude, I give that two snaps up in a twist. Uh, Z formation. <laughs> so I also love all of the troops that he's addressing. The one big splash panel of the new Cobra Commander look, but then the troops behind him, we have Crimson Guards. We have some kind of new design of Cobra Trooper, it looks like. Almost like Neo Vipers, but not quite. Um, and then are those Crimson Guard Immortals? Yep. Like, okay. Uh, and then AVAX, his tank drivers, Worms. Like, all the vehicle drivers are in that bottom panel. I, I love that. Chris Mooneyham is phenomenal. Yeah, this when I saw this this whole panel, I was like, I want this as a giant poster on my wall. Yes, absolutely. If they did this as a poster without all of the word, word bubbles, bubbles. Mm-hmm. I would buy it in a second. It's it's awesome. Uh, okay, so uh, let's talk about this real quick. And I love the fact that he actually signed his name to the bottom of it. Like yeah. he was very proud of yes. this page. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so. Here is the one thing that I kind of wish they had done with Cobra Commander, but that everybody would have hated. But looking at this uniform design, I kind of wish they had made him fat Cobra Commander, like fat, <laughs> like, like fat Thrawn from Ahsoka. <laughs> Which, isn't that just Miles that. Mayhem in this costume, though? Oh my god! Oh my gosh. It is, isn't it? <laughs> it didn't click wow. until you just said that. But you're right. 
Whoa. <laughs> you are 100% right. <laughs> okay, we got to move on because we're just going to get stuck on this. I see a Larry con- Homer <laughs> twist coming. <laughs> we're going to stuck on this uniform forever. <clears throat> uh, so the we get, uh, once again, our evil trio monitoring Cobra Commander. Uh, Dawn is, is watching them, watching Cobra Commander. But then we get this incredible action set piece. Uh, airtight, mainframe, black hat in the back of the tomahawk. And the, the revanche blue ninja vipers or whatever they are reactivate. This scene is so freaking cool because it's such like, I don't know. It just felt so cinematic to me. I could Mm -hmm. so picture every bit of this happening in a movie. Like the characters, these panels came to life for me. And that's something Mm -hmm. that that's what comic books should be. Yeah. Like this, this looks like, this one page looks like it was directed by Sam Raimi. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so it's this gruesome They're you know, they're cyborgs, but it's also this kind of grotesque body horror body parts moving around in a tomahawk, which that's another thing that adds a layer of horror is we, we, the tomahawk is something we know from our childhood, whether we had one or not, we knew the tomahawk. We had the toy. It's something we owned. It's something we're invested in. And inside this toy, this beloved item that we're all familiar with, whether we had it or not, this horror show is coming to life. So it's very relatable. It's not like watching a horror movie where there's some house that you've never been in and there's a ghost in there. This is something we know. Well, and there's an extra element to the tomahawk, especially when you know it. And they do take advantage of it uh, next page or a couple pages. But, you know, it's open-sided. Yes. So you have to fight this thing. And are you unstrapping yourself? Are you staying strapped? Like, how do you do this with this, this... extra element like the only thing missing now is the the flash gordon spikes oh and real quick just to throw this out there i got the neca flash gordon the sam jones one uh i will be reviewing that on the on the needless things youtube channel uh in the coming week and i'm so excited about it i haven't found ming yet but i've got flash all right moving on so, yes, we all know the Tomahawk has those open sides. So, and many movies have used that element for dramatic effect uh, for fights in helicopters, very much like this one. Uh, so, of course, the good guys prevail. No surprise there. That's that's what we want. It's G.I. Joe. And Wild Bill jumps out of the cockpit into the cargo bay looking even more Yosemite Sam than he usually does, (laughs) saves the day with his revolver. Uh, And then we get back to our trio, our Night Creeper, Alley Viper, and Night Viper, and they have 
discover that Don Moreno is watching them. They attack her. And of course, because she's super duper snake eyes lady, she has no trouble taking them out. But I do question, uh, do night vipers have swords? Is that a thing? Wait, no, I thought uh, the night. Oh, that's the alley viper. Sorry. Because yeah, this we is get... the panel that I had issues. I think he's with. just like throwing his boot knife or something. Yeah. Well, no, later on, so we we get yes, they all throw things at her. But uh the alley viper throws alley his grappling throwing a hook. grappling hook. Right. The alley viper what? throws the grappling hook. What? Um the night viper throws a knife and the night creeper shoots his crossbow. And, and then we get some conflict. She cuts up all their weapons. And then on the 20th page, maybe, maybe not. Like I said, we've got a review copy. Uh, the Night Viper has a sword. Yeah, yeah. Which, whatever. I don't really care. I just kind of wondered, is that a thing? Well, these are also enhanced mutant cannibal. Oh, versions, right. So maybe so- he picked up some skills. Maybe mutant cannibal night vipers do have swords. Uh, and of course, Don Moreno comes out on top, defeats all three of them, uh, or, or they realize they are going to be defeated, and they self-destruct. Womp, womp, womp. And, deet, and, uh, deet, 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 as the onomatopoeia says. <laughs> and then womp, womp, womp. That, yeah, right, right. That's exactly right. They all actually have to hit little <laughs> buttons to commit suicide. Uh, and Dawn informs Duke that she found their fatal flaw. And then we, not, mo- we only fatal to them. I was a little disappointed that if they do, either their mutated bodies are so squishy underneath that it it softens the blow of the self-destruct but uh mindbender and them really missed out because why wouldn't you take your enemies with you exactly i think you're right though i think they're so i think it's like uh like from dust told on Mm -hmm. with where the vampires like yes they're 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 legion but their bodies are soft and fleshy and can be destroyed. I think that's what it is, is that they can just destroy themselves. And that's maybe that's, I, that's their fatal flaw, is that their self-destruction is not destructive to anything else. They're just made mm-hmm. of ick. <laughs> ick. <laughs> uh, and then we move to Castle Destro, where Zartan has showed up. And he has some very interesting news about Cobra Island, Springfield, and the pit. And Maybe. Let's, not, let's ignore how relaxed Destro is in that picture. He's just like, he is living it up in that castle. Look, I do. I 100% <laughs> believe that that's how Destro sits on his throne. <laughs> no doubt in my mind. So He's like Destro... hip-hop royalty in that picture. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Destro and Zartan potentially working together, which is uh, unusual because typically they've been at odds. Mm-hmm. So once again, Larry Hama has left us with an interesting cliff tank, cliffhanger uh, to finish up this issue. Uh, in the letters column, real quick, post box, the pit, the editor confirms more shipwreck is on the way. 
I appreciate the fact they answer a lot of letters. There are one, two, three, four, four pages of letters uh, that they respond to. And the responses are not like generic form responses. The editor actually does drop a little bit of info uh, in some of these. So they're, they're, they're thoughtful. They're, obviously, they're picking the right letters but it's not your typical letters column where it says, Hey, thanks. Glad you love the comic. Let's move on. Like there is mm -hmm. the, these, these letters pages are worth reading. That's Mine's something, yeah. That, that's yeah, right. something that, that, that Robert Kirkman's <laughs> books have always been good at. Cause if you go back and look at the letter columns in the walking dead or invincible, they were just as much, fun or informative to read as the issue itself well, that's good I'm, gl I'm glad that they're keeping that up uh and the next issue of gi joe a real american hero will come out on march the 20th so overall how are we feeling about the ride larry hama's taking us on i'm still having fun with it yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm waiting to see where it goes. Like, you know, this this right here is not typically the kind of storytelling that I've that's really drawn me to the G.I. Joe comics. Right. Um, but I mean, you've got a very capable person doing it and I trust him. Um, but also we've got this really incredible art and some some really nice new designs and new looks and you know a little little bit of nostalgia in there too with some of these character designs we, we've we've brought back so yeah i mean overall i'm enjoying this i don't know if i'm enjoying it as much as i'm enjoying um the duke and cobra commander right now yeah yeah but i but i but yeah i'm i'm, I'm not gonna stop reading it well I, it's duke and cobra commander i'm fully engaged with and way into real american hero it's a fun ride mm -hmm. It, when you mentioned Marvel <clears throat> back at the very start of the review, um, it it reminded me like when I as I've been reading A Real American Hero, I keep expecting the plot of Cobra Island as far as like the cannibal mutants to all of a sudden be wrapped up. Because if this right. was a Marvel or DC comic writing for the trade five issues six yeah. issues this yeah, yeah. storyline's got to be done and we're moving on and the way larry's going i don't think that's going to be the case he like, doesn't like there's, do that <clears throat> there's nothing that makes us think that this is not the status quo and i always love a good springfield story mm -hmm. and and as much as it's centering on it yeah i'm so on board for the ride and that's what it is. It's a ride. Like Duke and Cobra Commander, the, the inner John stuff is is giving us new we're we're invested because this is the new direction for the franchise. Real American Hero, it's the ride. Real American Hero is is the scream machine. Well, because you this know is... what you're getting, like you you know you're used to it it's a classic it's it's gonna you gotta do it every time yeah well and we and we know 
the obviously the Cobra Commander and the Duke are limited. They they had a they had a five issue story arc mapped out ahead of time. Right. This we don't know because we talked about earlier this this could this story arc could go on for one more issue or could go on for twenty more issues. Yeah, and and that's that's part of that engagement. Uh, they're they're both working for complete or all working for completely different reasons. Mm-hmm. You are getting two. That's right, two reviews this episode because real american hero number 304 came out and cobra commander number two uh also came out on the same day our original plan had been to do two separate review episodes but it just didn't work out so now you're getting both reviews in one episode of audible interlude cobra commander number two written by joshua williamson artist andrea milana colorist annalisa leone somehow or other cobra commander number two does not feature a flatter so i still am not sure what that is i did look that up earlier uh, oh what is it and i've already forgotten it away from well i had it up but i was going to read the actual um description but it's a, it is a, spe- it's a, sp- a specific colorist role oh okay yeah uh our letterer is russ wooten uh, and our cover is a phenomenal shot of Buzzer chainsawing Cobra Commander's faceplate. Which I was kind of disappointed. Covers. I was disappointed that it wasn't actually in the issue, but it well, sure did make me want to dive right into it. Well, and that's what's funny is we were talking about how the cover we my assumption of Real American Hero three hundred four was that the cover had nothing to do with the contents, and then it did. This is the opposite case where this is very much a traditional comic book cover where the thing on the cover does not happen in the comic. <laughs> but, but that's it okay. Hints at so much. Yes, that's yes. going to happen. It's in there because I, ooh. Me and chainsaws now, never the same. <laughs> uh, so uh, on our page three, which is, which is really page one, but again, review copy, uh, we get more blood. We've got instruments of torture, two people being tortured uh, by someone we don't know who yet. Uh, and the last panel of page one is somebody picking up a chainsaw and saying, ah, now that's a shame. We hoped it wouldn't come to this. And I mean, you then... can see him in the third panel on the page. You get, you get that blonde. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. That you know blonde ponytail. Is. You know, who's, you know who it is. Well, if you saw the cover, you know who it is, yes. but <laughs> we still save it up for the big splash panel of good Lord, even more blood. Uh, <laughs> But I would like to point something out, and I've got a, I've got a point of conversation here. I actually have, because this is something that I've kind of been anticipating since maybe 2002. That at some point, the Dreadnoks might morph from being Australians to being rednecks, because the looks of Torch and Ripper from the Valor versus Venom line were kind of specifically redneck biker 
And I've always kind of wondered if at some point we might get more rednecky dreadnoughts. And this victim very clearly says, you stupid rednecks don't scare us. And it makes me wonder, you know, this is a comic book. We're seeing words. We're not hearing them. It does make me wonder if the red, uh, dreadnought, if the red knocks, <laughs> if the dreadnoughts had made that transition from from the Australians of the cartoon, uh, well, and in in uh, I think Buzzer's case, he is specifically Australian. Is that right? Well, no, he's he's English, and he went to Australia. The other, oh, that's right, that's Australian. right. Uh, but you, I, you I, know, the the funny thing is, at least for me, because they have been depicted gosh all these years you know as in the swamp i think for me they morphed away from you know because again reading you don't hear the accent that they had turned into like i read most of them with the louisiana swamp people accent more so than a rednecky interesting um but after this issue I am reading them in the sound of death. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and that's my note for page four is good Lord, even more blood. Uh, because buzzer is literally chainsawing a person to death. Uh, and buzzer is, let me tell you how swole he looks in this one picture. <laughs> He is he is a little thicker than I because I I tend to think of Torch as being kind of like thick and stout, Ripper as being you know not jacked but probably the tallest and uh he would have to be the strongest because Jaws right. of Life are not right. Know, uh, but but I think I, t- I tend to think of Buzzer as being a little more lean. Well, and that goes, it ties in kind of with his origin story because the whole idea that he was this like college professor at Cambridge right. University right. who like joined a biker gang because he was researching them for academics. Um, so yeah, I would, it would ima- I would imagine him still kind of being a little bit slight and weaselly, um, getting by on his brains more than his strength. And as we move to page five and, and get a little different uh, angle on them, Buzzard does look a little more lean and Ripper does look a little bit thicker. Uh, and then, of course, they chain uh, this poor fellow to the back of the Thunder Machine, which, by the way, is apparently Ripper's. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. some uh, interesting things uh, with I mean, using the Thunder Machine, not having Thrasher, who's obviously associated with it. Um, but also, notice that we've gotten Dreadnoughts thus far that just also happen to be the Dreadnoughts that you can go to a toy, to, to a toy store and buy right now. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I thought that was interesting that there's only a pair, and then we get a third one that shows up later. Synergy! Well, <laughs> and based off of these first few issues, because I, I have been dying to know what you think of it like is this how you pictured the dreadnoughts Noel? because you are the probably of the three of us the, the biggest most... dreadhead yeah <laughs> 
I mean, this is, yeah, I mean, this, this is, uh, there may be a little bit more brutal than I would imagine. I, I enjoy, um, you know, dumb Australian guys fighting over breath mints and candy mints in the swamp. Um, and, and I thought Larry always kind of portrayed them as a little goofy too. And I love the fact that they, you know, the grape soda and the chocolate donuts, which are kind of used as euphemisms for other substances, but they still kind of had a goofy quality in the comics. Um, they're definitely a little bit more sadistic here than I would imagine. See, this, this is more in line with what my thoughts about the dreadnoughts have evolved wow. to be over the years. Okay. Um, as I've mentioned before, I think of them more as like sons of anarchy. Like they are kind of a brutal biker gang that Cobra utilizes for certain means. Uh, and they are brutal. They are vicious. They are, they are very base uh, and primal and and dragging a person behind the thunder machine until he's basically a pile of blood is the sort of thing that they would do. I I never I I went with it and I didn't hate it, but to me the dreadnoughts were were always more scary than goofy. Like they were, they were bottom of the barrel scumbags for hire. See, I always saw them as anarchists, but as um, not intelligent. So they cause chaos, but it's not as sort of devious or planned out as this. And and I really enjoyed this. Don't get me wrong. The fact that these like first five pages can give me chills and make me go, ew, that doesn't happen in a comic with me. Like you've seen it all, but then they take characters that you and just like with issue one that you think, you know, like you have a nostalgia feeling for. And guess what? We're going to crank it to 11. And well and that's where this works for me is that it's more extreme than anything we've seen, but it also to me does not feel out of character. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're still, I mean, they're still causing anarchy. They're still, yeah, they're, yeah. they're sadistic, but they're having, they're, they're having fun with it in a, in a really strange, uh, morbid way. Well, I wanted this... to address one, the one thing though, that the right before they tie the guy up and, and drag him in the thunder machine, do you think that just some big dude with a flat top is a coincidence or is that hinting to somebody that we might see in the future? It's hinting. Oh, it's, I think it's definitely hinting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some Donald DeLuca from Michigan, maybe. Right, right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is stuff that potentially might have happened. Th this is the sort of thing that might have happened off panel in the original real American hero. Right. You would have seen them with the chains. You would have never seen him chained up. Right. Right. Or they would have referenced, you know, right. we dragged some guy or, or whatever. I mean, they did. Uh, I, I did think that they murdered junkyard the, in the like right. very first story arc right. they were in, in the comic. So, 
Well, I'm, yeah, I'm still traumatized buzzer, by that. Buzzer potentially killing a dog is much worse than them dragging this guy behind the thunder machine. Uh, so then we move on to Cobra Commander and his escort, his mysterious escort, uh, for some weird reason, going uh, to boat rides to see the gators. <laughs> this first panel, I had to look at it for a minute to try to figure out what was going on. It's like a weird perspective thing with those uh, yes. trees in the background. I thought it was a, a separate panel. Yeah, mm. the and and like once you once you kind of put together in your head what it is it makes sense it just feels a little too frogger yeah I, like and I the think trees the, and the river and then the path it's I think not the trees are too been big to any of the air boating places down here no though, I, I would say is that what it looks like more, there's way more people than what oh, would typically be there <laughs> but everything else actually kind of it yeah it looks like that well my thought was that the it looks it's all just a little too clean it looks very disney right mm-hmm. oh true the the water should actually right. be brown right right <laughs> but regardless it does paint the picture it needs to paint and then we see cobra commander interacting with this kid clearly about to kill this child yeah uh and, and then his again, escort... if you've ever been in orlando <laughs> you can relate to this uh then his escort is like don't don't do this and cobra commander lays out um his feeling of otherness uh that he does not belong amongst the humans that he never felt like he was one of them that he loathes the human world and wants to bring order to it. Uh, you know, somewhat relatable. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, but we get some, you know, a little more, a panel, a panel of character development here. Uh, and then Cobra Commander is, he doesn't care anything about being noticed as he mentioned last issue he doesn't care and and again i i don't know how familiar the writer is with central florida because it it this is rings so true the (laughs) fact that he's walking around this area with that with the plate and no one is commenting because think in issue one when he goes into that bar and people are commenting right i'm telling you i have I've not seen a faceplate, but I have seen some weird things down here. We've all seen Florida Joker. Come on. Right. And (laughs) and people don't bat an eye. And and so to me, this was just like, absolutely 100% this is realistic. People may not believe that, but it is. He he could do this in broad daylight and nobody's going to notice until they're screaming. So Cobra Commander's cutting through a fence to head towards, uh, basically what he's doing here is trying to track down the Energon. Uh, We can't lose sight of that's his goal. Uh, And he's just cutting through this fence and going, following along where his tracker is telling him to go. And his escort says, look, we got to be careful here. We we don't want to draw attention. 
Uh, and Cobra Commander does not care. He's like, did Galobulus just send you along with me to ask questions? And then we get a flashback scene that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. What, uh, who, who wants, uh, when you guys want to kind of talk about this, this flashback a little bit? So, yeah, we see Pythona, um, clearly, like, it looks like he's coming, either coming to, uh, after having some sort of body altering surgery or something. Um, they've clearly had to alter this character some way to make him, uh, to where he can fit in with the regular world. So I think it gives us a pretty good idea of who this companion might be at this point. It gave me chills when she says that the line about how I feel like you must be awake while we do this to you so you understand i know right the yeah situation i'm uh. like this issue could be a horror movie it is so easily and and they um in interviews and and hopefully we will have uh another skybound creator on sooner than later uh to talk about some of this but in interviews they have said it is very intentionally a horror tinged comic mm-hmm uh, so yes, yeah, super creepy flashback. Pythona busts out one of her horrifying little bio-organic tentacle monster things. Thingies. Yeah, sorrow uh, on steroids. And then we come back to uh, this person that has only been referred to as Grunt thus far, uh, saying, "Our masters are concerned you will allow yourself to be distracted by your own goals and fail in your mission." And again, we get what feels like a sincere assurance from Cobra Commander that what he's doing, he's doing in the best interest of Cobra Law. I really love how they're playing both sides of this in the comic, where we know Cobra Commander. We know he's out for himself at the end of the day, but we keep getting these bits of dialogue that seem really genuine that at this point, at least he really is doing what he thinks is best for Cobra law. It's because you, you said we know Cobra commander, but based off of everything that happened in the first issue, I think they're making us go, do we know this right, Cobra Commander? Right, they're playing we, off our assumptions. We have seen this type of storyline play out in so many other, you know, movies, comics, whatever. This, with how they've been playing it, at least for me personally, I don't know. I mean... You know, does Cobra Commander want to run Cobra Law? Probably. So is he loyal to Globulus? Don't know. But is he faithful to Cobra Law? So, yeah, I I, I like that they can make me question my nostalgia glasses. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, so wait, I don't think we actually said it. So who are we? I, I'm sure we all agree. Who do we think Grunt is uh, just waiting for those big spikes to pop out of his uh, elbows next time yes. he has to fight a, a lawman. Right, right. I, <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's fairly clear this is Nemesis Enforcer or Nemesis Immortal, whichever. Yeah. Uh, so 
uh, Grunt and Cobra Commander arguing in the swamp, and we get the classic movie scene of this hapless park ranger showing up. Hey, fellas, you shouldn't be out here. <laughs> y'all, y'all should get back behind the fence. This part of the glades, not for tourists. Go, right. Don't go in the marsh. Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. And this poor guy has no idea what he's walked into. Uh, and Grunt just walks towards him, the big menacing a uh, giant dude that knows he's invulnerable walk. Poor park ranger tries to shoot him a bunch of times and grunt explodes this man's head and rips <laughs> his arms off in a single move. Good Lord, more blood. <laughs> Good Lord. The onomatopoeia too. Uh, yes. crack, crack splat. Rip, <laughs> which I think is relatively accurate to what's going on. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you wanted uh, to convey what was happening. That was those are probably the best three sound words you could make. And much like the dreadnoughts, this is much more extreme than anything we've seen from Nemesis Enforcer, and yet feels in character. This is how Nemesis Enforcer would handle this situation. Yes. So this is not, even from watching G.I. Joe the movie, if that movie was not aimed at a certain age group, this is the way that I would imagine him behaving. Right. Well, this Um, is when they first encounter, when he's throwing the Cobra troops all over the place. mm -hmm. This is what he would have been doing if it weren't aimed at, you know, seven-year-olds. Uh, so Cobra Commander sneaks away uh, while Cobra, while Nemesis Enforcer, or while Grunt is busy ripping people apart uh, and finds a somewhat familiar looking cabin in the swamp. Approaches, opens the door, and did you guys notice what is on the wall of this bizarre Texas Chainsaw Swamp cabin? Yes. Or at least I think I noticed what you noticed. So on the left wall, yes, there's a certain face mask. Hundred percent, the original Zartan mask. Yeah, yeah. So, so they got a backpack that thing fits in somewhere. I'm sure. Right. So right. <laughs> so are they? Because when I saw that with this panel, does Zartan actually? Is does he Buffalo Bill people to disguise himself? Oh because... gosh, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> oh wow, we're just getting to like no pun intended. Many more facets skin? of this character. Yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, look at with how the rest of this issue has played out. It has just built and built and built, and and my mind was completely in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh my gosh, yeah, I didn't mm. consider that, but maybe. Or he dissects, like, what, however Zartan has his uh, disguise ability, it somehow involves all this dissecting of people. Yeah, maybe he's just making skin masks. Uh, So Cobra Commander exploring the swamp uh, swamp shack 
uh, and he has found traces of Energon, but he has not found the source of it yet. And then the Thunder Machine arrives outside, Buzzer and Ripper, not particularly happy to see this masked fellow in their abode. And this masked fellow seems to, he couldn't possibly care less about these two showing up and discovering him. His confidence is incredible. (laughs) But his aim is not. Well, he, it's funny. It's uh, the, you know, the dreadnoughts are talking smack to him and he literally just sighs and says, I believe you stumbled on something like he's exhausted by having to talk to these people, (laughs) which again, relatable, but, and he's also very polite. He's like, if you can't help me, I'll be on my way. Yes. You know, I I don't, I'm not here to cause trouble, but if you're going to bring it, well, I've got a pistol. Well, and we never actually see what he's, we don't see the pistol. I wondered, like, what is this? Because we don't see what he's pulling out of his coat. We don't see when he's firing, it's concealed by the blast. Like, is it from the bang, bang, bang that it is a regular pistol? Because in issue one, whatever gun he used to turn the other guy inside out was different. A different sound but it seems so pedestrian for him to just have a pistol well you know i'm sure that um the, the that this uh, nemesis immortal is not letting him carry too many weapons with him well that's mm. true but he does have some kind of bio organic grenade thing that he uses to blow up the thunder machine and ripper says this is where we discover that it is rippers he says my baby which between this and soundwave the the transformer soundwave i feel a little bad for thrasher yeah or i feel bad for the thunder machine why would you kill it was, off so early well was yes ripper that's a fair. single parent that we did not know about is there another <laughs> secret uh so after blowing up the thunder machine uh Cobra Commander once again sort of gets away, uh, just like he did from Nim- or from Grunt. And then Zorana shows up, which I love that it's her and not Zartan. We're we're mm-hmm. building, we're slowly escalating. Mm-hmm. I so based on comic tropes, I just so expected it to be Zartan. Yes. That when yes. it was her, I was gasped. Uh, and then she sets up that part of the swamp is off limits, even to us, which we, with what we have seen of Ripper and Buzzer so far, we know if something is off limits to these two maniacs, it must be serious business, right? And it's very tempting because it's literally like 100 feet from their cabin. Yes. <laughs> So for these nuts to stay out, there must be something horrible there. And of course, we follow Cobra Commander into the swamp, and he is tracking the Energon and getting ever closer. And then falls into the water with a bunch of mutant alligators. (laughs) I love it. I want some mutant alligator action figures right now. Uh, and that is where Cobra Commander number two concludes with the, with the perfect singer next issue, Cobra versus Gators. Yes. (laughs) Yes. 
Uh, and much like Real American Hero, our next issue is March 20th. Uh, and again, we get a, a, well, this time it's a two-page letter column, but again, letters worth reading, responses worth reading. Uh, and then the covers for, or one of the covers for issue number three, which is Cobra Commander tied up with Zorana standing over him. Uh, all right, so final thoughts on that issue. I can't, I say I can't possibly love this series more. It's so good. But I feel like issue three is is going to blow away issue two. I mean, it, it it's just so good. Yeah, so of the, good. I mean, of the three books that we've got out on, you know, right now, this is my favorite of the three. It's... And it kills me to see some some people on social media that are not giving this a chance based off of the Cobra Law aspect in issue one. I I mean I, I right. get you don't have to like everything, but if you're a fan of of horror or you do want your more serious Joe kind of stories without being like 90s over the top man this is just hitting everything or you just want more out of gi joe you want to see it continue into the modern world like this is it uh i i love it uh two thumbs up i'm i'm absolutely engaged i find it compelling i cannot wait to see what happens next i love where they're going with this uh we got some it's, cool cover teases um, yes. also in here, which seeing a yet another Dreadnought we did not see in this issue show up. So uh, presumably we're getting Torch next issue. Yeah. I mean, I I, I can't wait for issue three. In March 20th, uh, it's out. And Duke number three, we have our review copies. And the plan as of now is we'll do a special episode uh reviewing Duke number three sometime next week. Uh, We'll see how that goes. All right, this is Knowing is Half the Babble, where each of us get a little bit of time to talk about anything that may not even be gi joe related i am going to go first this time because i have a giveaway on this monday's live stream on march the 4th uh we will be giving away a copy of the toy collector's wish book volume one uh I reviewed this on the Needless Things YouTube channel this past week. You can go check out that review. This book is an incredible tome uh, full of nostalgia. This edition, yeah, orange nostalgia, sorry. That was that was not the best. Watch the review if you want better uh, images than this. Uh, this volume covers Clash of the Titans from 1980, The Adventures of Indiana Jones from 1982, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons from 1983, The A-Team from 1983, Rambo, The Force of Freedom from 1986, Chuck Norris, Karate Commandos from 1986, and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves from 1991. Uh, 
and what the worth author it, has for the Dungeons and Dragons alone. Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, so what the author has done is created brand new wish book style photos of these toy collections, but also encyclopedic uh entries of the entire collection. This is kind of like look at that Tiamat. Mm. How many times this is a GI Joe podcast, but how many times have we talked about Tiamat on this show? <laughs> um this is essentially like Pixel Dan's Masters of the Universe book, but about tons of different toy lines. It's amazing. It is something that any fan of 80s toys must own. Uh, and we will be giving a copy away on our March 4th live stream. So tune in. Uh, all right. Uh, Noel, or actually, let's go with Christian because we that's the order we uh, let's that's change our order, order from last time. Yes, <laughs> Christian, okay. what's your babble? Uh, so, uh, I was scrolling social media the other day and I saw something that made me go, What? There's a place that I missed. Uh, everybody go to YouTube and check out Vintage Toy Rush. Uh, because there is now a customizer, independent company, whatever, called Pally Toys, with two E's. And they have made a Baron Ironblood playset. And what? it looks like it is from the 1970s. It is made just like, like the Kenner uh, Cantina playset. Or the hot place at like I saw oh this gosh. and I literally was like, and I I'm trying to Google this and nothing is coming up. This is on it, you. This is on YouTube. Yes. Uh, okay. Vintage Toy Rush has a a review okay. of it, and oh man, it is. If if you like those old style playsets like I do. This is a thing of beauty. Oh my gosh. All right. I got to check this out. Uh, all right. It. Noel, what do you got? All right. So uh, last week, uh, I actually went up to Memphis, Tennessee, um, just a, a few days with the wife. Um, and uh, as I was going, I. Uh, Dave challenged me to find the toy store while I was there. So I was like, <laughs> all right, challenge accepted. Um, so first night after we'd, we'd flown in, we'd gone and we'd kind of done a tour of Graceland. And then um, Rebecca, my wife, was taking a nap. And I was like, all right, well, let me go see what's around. And I saw there's a place called 901 Toys. And it was about a 15-minute drive from where I was. So uh, I went ahead and headed up there. Um, it's a, it's a little small town in kind of like the, the little hipster area of, um, of Memphis, um, where like, there's a lot of cool, like looking bars and restaurants and stuff. Um, but, uh, really cool vintage toy store. They've got, I mean, everything from, you know, Masters of the Universe to Amigo stuff to like classic toy biz, um, you know, Marvel toys, a bunch of wrestling toys, um, obviously stuff like Transformers and, um, a lot of GI Joe. So, uh, I actually got a chance to browse around a little bit. I sent some pictures to, to, uh, our, our 
our cohorts here of some of the stuff from there, but they've got a lot of the bins of just like loose parts. They've got like just a bin of like GI Joe parts that are like $3 a piece. And some of them are just broken action figures. Some will be like, you know, parts and accessories from vehicles. And with a little bit of time, I would have probably had a, a little field day going through there and, and picking out pieces. Same thing. They had some little like um, uh, little drawers, like small drawers that had um, weapons and accessories from classic action figures. Oh, I, nev- wow. I definitely noticed some GI Joe like weapons in there as well. So, um, you know, you, you could spend some time in there. I didn't have that much time cause I got there about an hour before they closed and I didn't want to, you know, occupy all their time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did pick up a couple things while I was there. Um, okay. I'm, you know, since, since we do have the option of video for our audible army members, I got myself a range Viper at oh, a very reasonable nice. price here. So, uh, picked him up cause he's one that I don't have in my collection. Uh, I also got this, uh, this is the armadillo that came out. Um, in 2008, I believe, in the Target 2-pack with yeah, the yeah. striker, which is, it's like a tan um, colored armadillo. And I was like, you know what? It's not classic, but it'll look really nice next to my regular armadillo. So I'm going to grab this and just and put it on my shelf. So, because, um, you know, it's got the, obviously the wrong size foot pegs for my yeah. classic figures. But, you know, you can put the guy in the cockpit and that's nice. But um, just like the store it's a it's a really neat little store and if you do happen to live near the memphis area um and you get a chance to check it out on the 27th of april uh they are actually participating in midtown con uh which is going to be on north cleveland street at the black lodge it's going to have comics toys records horror sci-fi gaming fantasy cosplay video games vintage clothing and more and they were like hey you should come to that i was like i would love to but i'm about a five and a half hour drive away so i don't (laughs) think i'm gonna make it um Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a it's a great little you know tiny little independently owned toy store um, in a nice little part of Memphis. You said that was nine oh one toys. Yeah, nine oh one. If uh, you see the number nine oh one a lot in Memphis, it's kind of like four oh four. His yeah, here right, in right. Atlanta folks. So cool, excellent. All right, well that is all the show we've got for you this week. Our music is by Andy Simford of electricminnowmusic.com. You can follow us on Instagram at Audible Interlude Podcast, on X at G.I. Joe Audible, and check out all of the bonus content you can handle for $1.99 a month at audiblearmy.com. Christian, where can we find that toy photography that you've recently just kicked back into gear? Yes, I have a huge backlog of photos to start posting. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Flickr.com under the name Legion Cub. Uh, and Noel, why don't you tell us a little bit about The Finest? The Finest is an international G.I. Joe costuming club, and we raise money for a great organization called Canines for Warriors. We will be at Toylanta. So if you are there to, uh, for Toylanta for, to see Audible Interlude, or if you're just there to buy toys, and we happen to be you know, part of your agenda there. Um, you can also drop by our booth. We'll be right out there outside those front doors to the main uh, toy hall, and we will be uh, we'll be raising money. Um, drop drop by and chat some GI Joe with us. Well, everybody listening or watching at AudibleArmy.com, thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate your support. Uh, leave us a review. Uh, follow us wherever you listen to your podcast or just tell a friend about the show. We appreciate your support. Nolan Christian, 
sitting down with you guys is a highlight of my week every single week. Until next time, yo, Joe. Cobra versus Gators. You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.